This week, we are taking issue with Thanksgiving Day, of course. We'll talk a little turkey, engage in the great sides debate. I'll tell you why green bean casserole does not belong on any table whatsoever. We'll also tell you what we are thankful for this holiday season, politically speaking, of course. I'm Corey. I'm Matt. And I'm Sue. And this is Taking Issue. Our nation was born here, not with a whimper, but with the spark of revolution. One more indictment, and this election is closed out. That's what democracy is. It's a choice of the people, by the people, and for the people. Hello, welcome to a Thanksgiving edition of Taking Issue. We're recording the pod a little bit earlier because, like you, we don't want to be at work on Thanksgiving Day doing it, uh, even though this is the news business and I can't remember the last time I had Thanksgiving Day off. Right. Such is life. Uh, how you guys doing? We're doing, doing great. Well. Excited you know? for Turkey Day and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I'm yes. done. I'm done working. Actually. You're done working. Yeah, I'm just kind of looking like I'm working. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really? The hoodie? You think? No. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but we figured, you know, with with Thanksgiving here, uh, we we take some time to tell you what we are thankful for, politically speaking, of course, because obviously this is a political podcast. Um, so I'll start. I, I, I asked them to bring, you know, two or three things that they're, they're thankful for. And you guys already know my first one. I, I am thankful for um, political discourse over style on the candidates this year. Of course, we always get into this back and forth when there are, you know, female candidates, what they're wearing and, and why, a power suit, their color, stuff like that. But no, no, no. This time around, the number one person in the spotlight for their style is Ron DeSantis. And I am thankful that it is finally a man's chance uh, to be in the style guide. Of course, we all know the controversy, the debate, the mystery surrounding his boots and whether or not um, there are lifts in them. Matt's actually, well, I think he's the only one who's seen him in person. Yeah, well, it was funny. It's Did like, I, little... well, it's like I brought back this one-on-one -on -one interview and I'm thinking everyone's going to be focused on what I asked no, no. him. No. Everyone's analyzing the photo of me and him and being like, well, you you're because you're tall. So the, yeah, we know how tall you are. So yeah, it's exactly. like the the measurement when you're trying to look at celebrities to figure out how tall they are based mm -hmm. on who the, they're standing with. So all, all you know, all I can say is that the the side of the boot was coming out of the pant leg, right. which according to a lot of women in our office mm -hmm. was a way that you rest often when you're in heels. Yeah. Who knows? We don't know. I didn't ask. Maybe I should have. To me, the, to me, the weirdest thing, as somebody who's, who's from Texas and has seen many of a cowboy yeah. boot, I just, it's not the, the, the I, I understand the side thing, it's the, the curve at the front. Mm -hmm. It looks like he's wearing elf shoes. Yes. Yeah. And it's that, that, to me, just doesn't look normal. And also, cowboy boots are not the most comfortable things to wear, and I can't imagine constantly wearing them on the campaign trail when you've got to be walking, standing up on stage. Give yourself a little bit of a break. But although in his defense, someone's got to defend him, um, only tall people get to be president. So, mm. you know, he's got he's to project that. That's, yeah. that's what, what he's got to do. So. Has anyone done like a side-by-side -side of his gait, you know, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago, compared to what it is now when he's I've walking seen across the, the I've stage? Seen, I've seen like the Zupruder film of him walking across the stage at some, some event where it, it, the folks who say he, are, he is wearing lifts and the shoes say that is somebody who looks like they're wearing heels that's how they walk okay um yeah. but you know so that's that's one thing that i'm i'm thankful for this this holiday season sue what about you well i'm actually thankful for the diversity of the candidates mm. um you know uh we've got a variety of people who are running for president uh representing an, a bunch of ethnicities a bunch of genders a bunch of areas of the country that don't often get represented and i know that 
you know, we sometimes fall into the, well, they're not the type of person who they're running and the people that they're representing won't be benefited by them. But I mean, I just, I, I often joke, but I actually mean it when I say that when someone of uh, an underserved or underrepresented community can be mediocre, then we truly have reached equality, right? Sure. This exceptionalism doesn't always have to be the case. That you could just be an average candidate and make it to the stage just like average white people have been doing it forever. So To that point, I want to ask you a question. So, so you've been on the road the last couple of days. You, you spent a lot of time um, listening to Nikki Haley, uh, you know, th this week, but also just in the past. Has she leaned into her own ethnicity and her and her story, her family's story out there on the stump? And how's oh, it been yeah. received? Yeah, I mean, you hear it every time she gets up there and gives her stump speech. She talks about her parents coming to this uh, country and always remarks that they came here the right way, which allows her to talk about the border issue and all of those things that are so important to that GOP base. Um, so certainly she's brought it up from the very beginning. But I think, yeah, I think she's leaning into it a little bit more. Yesterday, I noticed that her stump speech is starting to tweak in different ways. But that was definitely something she has kept uh, throughout the multiple times I've heard her. She's rising in the polls, obviously, when, you, when we talk about the, the stump speech changing do you think that's boosted yes. by the momentum that she's seeing and yeah she's really trying to, to to drive the point home now that i can be the anti-trump candidate who can actually beat him yeah i mean that's what stood out to me yesterday is she said um chaos follows him when it came to Donald Trump. Now, the way her, her stump speech was organized beforehand was, I thought he was the right president for the time that he was president. I was proud to serve in his administration. Both of those points were still there, but then we went into that chaos comment, and then she sort of doubles down on it and says, we don't need any more chaos with these wars that are going on in the world. So I think when you see the momentum boost she's seeing in New Hampshire, she's beginning to double down and realize that she needs to take Trump on head on. You know, this to me is one of those, I just found out from a friend in the dog park that um, her father-in-law makes the stuffing, the second batch of stuffing, in a bread loaf pan. Mm -hmm. So when you make sandwiches, you can just slice it. <laughs> and to me, that is the most obvious epiphany I've ever had. But also, to your point with Nikki Haley, running against someone, if you don't feel comfortable that you can reject Trump policies or you can, just saying, He's going to be busy in court. How is he going to be president? Seems to me like such an obvious attack on him mm -hmm. without personally attacking him or upsetting the MAGA base. So I'm just so surprised it's taken so long to for me to figure out that you could make stuffing in a bread pan and we'll attack Trump like this. I was also just kind of surprised in the last debate that we didn't hear more of that. I mean, they pretty much avoided the topic of Trump the whole way along. In fact, one of them said that we weren't even asked about him. And I was like, well, no, that's not true. The first question was about Trump. And you all kind of sidestepped it. And then we just moved on from there. So it's just surprising that the GOP pack hasn't talked about it. I thought about this the other day after, after watching your piece where she said chaos follows him. I'm wondering if there is a timing issue with attacking Trump. If you do it too early, do you risk completely alienating his base from the very beginning to where you struggle to even make traction? Or if you do what, what Haley and what, what to some extent DeSantis has done, just keep your powder dry, hold off on it, talk about the issues that, that voters really care about. You can say, oh, you know, nobody's, he's not here, so let's not talk about him. But then really, as we get closer to Iowa, New Hampshire, really start to ramp up and, and show that distinction between yourself and Trump to where it's not, 
it's not dominating the entire run up to Iowa and New Hampshire. It's, it's something that is still fresh in folks' minds, but doesn't give them the, the, the time or the bandwidth, and especially from the media standpoint, to really hone in on, oh, it's Ron versus Donald, it, it's Nikki versus Donald. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of an interesting point you bring up in that, like, you know, when we talk about the Fed and inflation, they talk about a soft landing all the time. Mm. That's kind of what this is, yeah. is that they're trying to bring the plane in slowly and allow people to kind of get an idea of what it would look like if it wasn't Donald Trump to those hardcore supporters. Because I think when you look at somebody like Chris Christie, most of the base there for Donald Trump is never going to turn towards him because he's so been come out so hard. He made his mark as the anti-Trump candidate. Right. Whereas like if Donald Trump ends up in a bunch of trouble halfway through this, Nikki Haley and the Ron DeSantis can say, you know, we were critical, but we also said that he was good in this, 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 and this. So you should come over to our side. Yeah. I noticed you and Chris Kissy have like a nice little rapport going. We do, man. Guys, I'm sure you guys, because you guys see every, I, it's see funny. each other every single day. And but. it's funny because that's one of the things I'm thankful for politically. <laughs> to bring it back to that was that Chris Christie has the stamina of no one else I've ever met in my political career of being a reporter. I mean, 12 years in the business, he can take. Uh, 30 minutes of questions. He makes us run out of questions. So I'm thankful for Chris Christie's stamina out on yeah. the campaign trail. <laughs> Putting in all the miles, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's, uh, let, let's do a, a fun sort of yearly uh, tradition where we engage in the, the great sides debate. Um, I guess we'll start with the one that, that's, that's top of mind for everybody. Stuffing or dressing? Which is it? Stuffing. Yeah, I think stuffing. Stuffing? stuffing. Yeah. I go both. You do both. Mm. I do both. Stuffing is the dressing that you stuff the turkey with. Oh, okay. The dressing is the stuffing that doesn't go inside of the turkey, but okay. you still bake it. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. So I, I, I'm, I, I, and Sean, Sean, our cameraman, <laughs> is putting his thumbs down. Um, what is your, what are your, you got any do's or don'ts for, for Thanksgiving side dishes? Uh, I basically don't cook anything. Smart. I just order it and then heat it up. Okay. So uh, we just order from our, uh, our, our local supermarket okay. and um, I'm thrilled to do that. I, we do get the marshmallows to put into the sweet, uh, potato sweet potato, just the sweet potatoes or the squash, okay, yeah, depending yeah. on whichever you do. So we do add in the um, right amount of marshmallows. That's important. But other than that, we'll basically eat anything. I'm way over, I got to tell you, I'm 62. Mm-hmm. I live to be about 55 without ever having truffles. Okay. Hmm. And I cannot, at, like everything my daughter orders has, has truffles now. It's like... <laughs> Truffle uh, mac and cheese, truffle, truffle fries. fries, truffle yeah. potatoes, and I'm just like, how how have I lived this long? So I do have an only one truffle related dish, okay. uh, and I don't know, I can't remember which one it is, but other than that, just one truffle and and marshmallows. Okay, okay, and uh, any so truffles out, at least limited. I, I'm not against it. Okay. I just am overwhelmed. What is your it. favorite side? My favorite side is, um, it's, I know it sounds really boring, but a really great mashed potato. Okay. Yeah. You know, okay. with a lot of butter in it. Oh, yeah. Like the fat, the fat content in it has yeah. to be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What about you, Matt? I'm a very simple Thanksgiving guy, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, simple guy. 
yeah, just a simple, yeah, <laughs> stuffing and cranberry sauce and all this stuff. I just, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't need it. Okay. Um, Ooh, okay. I like a very simple plate. Turkey is good. Mm -hmm. Mashed potatoes. I have to have it. That's yeah. the one thing side that I need. I think Corey will like this as a, as a southerner. Is I, I like mac and cheese on my yeah, plate yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. I think that's a really good piece that doesn't translate across the country because I learned about it when I worked in Georgia, mm -hmm. but we never had it in Southern California. So I picked what, that up. Specifically for Thanksgiving or? Yeah. For Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd never had that before. And then I was at a, you know, whatever, Rotary Club mm -hmm. Thanksgiving meal for yeah, poor course. reporters, you know. So let's talk about the cranberry sauce. Are you canned or you make it yourself from scratch? I did not. I'll be honest, the first time I had cranberry sauce was when I did a Friendsgiving in college. My mom never made cranberry sauce, ever. Um, I've only had the canned version, which is, which is, it's fine. I just, it's, I never understood like the, the, the leftover, like, I'm all for like the leftover Thanksgiving sandwich, like turkey, the stuffing, great. But like to to just throw some cranberry sauce, I don't know, man. It's just that's too much. That's yeah. That's 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 bringing the the flavor spectrum like yeah. a little bit too too you know clashy. But my wife Amy takes all the turkey after Thanksgiving and makes like a stew out of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With like rice and everything, yeah. it's perfect. Cause I made um uh, cranberry sauce from from homemade cranberry sauce that's what my wife is doing, and sure. brought it to uh, my family one year and they didn't know where what it was and kept asking where the cranberry sauce was. So. <laughs> That's incredible. Okay. Luckily, okay. we had a can and yeah. ready to go, so it was like it's the same thing. So yeah, yeah. you know. No, my uh, I would say probably my favorite side is is stuffing. Um, and I was for fortunate enough to have a mother from Louisiana, um, and so we we do in the Smith household down in Dallas. We do Thanksgiving in shifts. So my mom, being from New Orleans, she makes a big pot of gumbo, and around four or five o'clock, we eat that. We're supposed to, it's supposed to be an appetizer, right. but it's, it's gumbo. Um, and then my dad, who my mother affectionately refers to as Crock-Pot, because he's very slow when he cooks. Um, my, dad, my dad does the turkey, and it's usually, if he says it's going to be ready by 6, it's going to be ready by 8. So, so then we, we come, and then we, we sit down and have you know Thanksgiving dinner, as it were. Um, and plus, our schedule is always being from Dallas revolves around the Dallas Cowboys playing on Thanksgiving. So, you know, from, from one to four, you're not doing anything but watching football. Um, so that's, that's what we would do. Yeah, I would say my favorite, my favorite side is certainly stuffing. And for the life of me, I don't understand green bean casserole, never understood it. Um, it does. We ordered it. It is a funny dish. We would order it because you feel like you have to have something green on the table course, and then yeah. you get it and it's like, you know, it's it's really not worth eating. No. I mean, no. no offense to the green beans. I, I agree. I like the crispy onions like on top, oh, no, like throw that on a burger yeah. anytime, but I don't, I can't do... I don't know. I can't. I can't do green bean casserole. I, and for I've been only for, fortunate enough to only be at like one dinner that actually served it. One uh, casserole. My mom every year, and this is Thanksgiving and Christmas, makes a uh, chili relleno casserole. Yeah. I don't know if you ever had yeah. it. Anyway, it's really. I mean, it's got that spicy. It's kind of got a green in there a little bit, but doesn't taste yeah. green. So, yeah. you know. My yeah. mother was a terrible cook. Even though she went on to actually teach people to cook, which I always think okay. is a, a great okay. gift. Um, but she made Swedish meatballs. That was her big, terrible appetizer, I'm sure. You know, Ikea really taught me what they're yeah. supposed to taste mm. like. Leftovers. I, see, I'm, 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 my wife makes fun of me for this, but I will. If we ha so let's say I have yeah. spaghetti on Monday. Yeah. We can't have pizza on Tuesday or Wednesday because it's too similar, right? Tomatoes, tomato sauce. I agree. 
Unless, but but if it's leftovers, like we have turkey and everything on Thanksgiving Day, but so leftovers are good on Friday. But after a while, like you just have to kind of give yourself that break. Yeah. So I'm curious, how long do you guys give yourself to finish every single thing that you made on Thanksgiving before you're like, I can't do it anymore. Let's just. We have tried out. to order more judiciously. Mm. Uh, so um, we tried to have just maybe one more maybe two more meals like a lunch you got to have a sandwich you have to have the friends moist maker sandwich yes, that's yes, yes. that's essential uh and then another meal and if and that usually is it um we have occasionally made a soup but you know what i don't like turkey that much i mean you know turkey is yeah. is is okay and i'd rather have a chicken soup than a turkey soup yeah, right 100%. so you know yeah yeah we were always spoiled for choice i'm assuming you bake your turkey Yes. Oven, oh yeah. No, yeah. I've never done the, so the being dunk in, in the. Being a, being a yeah. southerner, I will. I will always stand for deep fried turkey. I also is think delicious. Yeah. Um, and smoked turkey. Because for yeah. whatever reason, so I, I have th I have three brothers and my mom and my dad. So in a, in a full house, there's six of us. But even after we all left and went to college, and, and my parents became empty nesters, there's usually one of my brothers at home. They still cook like they're cooking they're for six. <laughs> so we're making two turkeys for whatever mm -hmm. reason. My dad has to have. The regular and then either fried like or it. smoked. So, but no, if you haven't had deep fried turkey, my God. I, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But I think working in news has sort of spoiled it because for of me. All the stories. Every year. The Every fires. year. Something burns yeah. down. Right. I got to go interview the fire commissioner now yeah. to tell me about, you know, anyway. So, Just don't um, put it next to the house. And speaking yeah, of news, right. yeah, speaking of news, you haven't lived unless you've had Thanksgiving dinner in a newsroom. Well, we had True. a fun, you, before you guys were here uh, and before we were in this lovely building, I don't know if Sean, uh, our photographer, remembers, but um, we, uh, the Thanksgiving meal was ordered for the staff mm -hmm. and it showed up not cooked. No way. <laughs> the turkeys weren't cooked, remember? So everything showed up and down. then, of course, Something it's Thanksgiving down. and nothing's yeah. really open. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not like you can run down to Panera and order some, don't put some turkey sandwiches. So that was the famous... Thanksgiving uh, here. See, it, it would have been week. fine in this building because we have a fully have, operational right. kitchen. Yeah. I got it yeah. out yeah. there. In the old building, we did thing. not yeah. have. Uh, I've it. heard tale of the old building. In yes. fact, interviewees will tell me about the old building yes. and be like, wow, you guys really got <laughs> an upgrade, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one, one final Thanksgiving item. You know, we talk a lot about the holiday season and being around the table. And how do you discuss politics in this very polarized time? Honestly, I can't really remember a time where there was a big political debate? Because I know some families are like, we're at the table, don't talk about politics. Well, we, we have grown up, my family, we, we have always talked about politics and I think we're all on the same path, right? There are divisions about certain things, but I think politically and morally and values, we're all in the same mm -hmm. place. But I gotta tell you, during the AIDS epidemic, um, you know, in the 1980s, mm -hmm. it, was, it was a number of, you know, when people are, openly mocking and making fun of people who died from AIDS uh, and HIV, it was difficult. Um, and then during the gay marriage battles yeah. here in Massachusetts, because uh, it's not always just your family, it's always somebody's cousin or yeah. somebody's neighbor, and which is great, except, um, you know, I, I, I try not to get in arguments, as one person pointed out, it's an unfair fight to fight with me. <laughs> I can believe that. Right, you know, because yeah. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm, I'm just better informed by what I do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I argue with people for yeah. a living. So if you're going to start arguing an argument with me, I'm going to just rip your heart out and yeah. show it to you before you die. So for Thanksgiving and the holidays, I tend to hold back and just let people say stupid, stupid stuff mm -hmm. if that's, that's it.
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, my family, there's a lot of differing political views in a lot of different areas, but sort of to what Sue was saying, I'm a defuser. Anytime they start to try and ramp it up, because of what I do for a living, I'm able to kind of present the other side and gently bring it back down to a to a hum. Well, I don't do that. You know? <laughs> I know, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, you I'll said actually you... say things like, can you say that again? Yeah. Like, ex- I didn't hear exactly didn't hear... what you said. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I just try to diffuse and try and move on to other yeah. topics, yeah. but then we're on to religion right after that. And so yeah. it's like... And I just wonder, like, I just, you know, we talk about our families getting, getting together and, and talking politics, but, you know, Friendsgiving is obviously a big thing, but you look at what's going on on college campuses right now, I can only imagine what some of these... Friendsgivings are like, um, and you know, just with, with everything going on, there's a Hamas war and, and it being an election cycle, I, I can only imagine what those conversations are like for those college kids and you know, because everybody, everybody, when you're at a dinner table, I feel like your personality is a little bit different and at a Friendsgiving, the fun thing about them is you get to see everybody's sort of like right. personality come out, but that can be, you know, that can have its, its positives and its negatives. Um, but anyway, so so happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We we hope that you uh, your arguments are are productive. you know productive and civil uh, and, and civil. Um, <laughs> before we go, um, we did this two weeks ago. Um, we're gonna ask you guys what you're watching, what you're reading, especially on the long holiday. Yeah. Folks, maybe need something to uh, that they can actually sit down with and enjoy beyond just the the, the football, of course. Um, so while you think of that, I'll go first. Um, I am watching a documentary that is called Once Upon a Time in Northern Ireland. It's by the same folks who did Once Upon a Time in Iraq, where they sit down and bring in people who were um, alive and engaged during the Troubles. Uh, They talked to former IRA members, Protestants, Catholics, people living in Ireland, you know, the politicians who were trying to to get the Good Friday Agreement done. And it was, for whatever reason, the the Troubles, and I'm I'm married to a Brit, so she she grew up knowing about the Troubles and, and stuff like that, but for, for the longest time, I could not find like a just good sort of just documentary to explain what the hell was going on and, and why it was such a, a, a terrible and tragic time. But this documentary does a very good job of really just kind of breaking it down and understanding how it was not just about religion, you know, Protestant versus Catholics, but it was about voting rights and, and things like that. So really, really enjoying watching that. Uh, and then what I'm reading is, is, is very topical. The Columbia Journalism Review um, and I want to make sure I get it right. They just they posted a story I think the other day, um, talking about the election coverage um, and and how I, I guess bad it was. Um, the article is called um, "Warped Front Pages." And basically, what they did was they looked at the going back to 2016 and 2017. They looked at the three month run up to the election and basically how every single front page for the Times was usually about Hillary Clinton's emails. So they've basically done the same thing again, um, and they're looking at not just the New York Times this time, but the Washington Post, uh, and basically found that the coverage, at least on the front pages, uh, and I'll read a quote, we found the New York Times and Washington Post shared significant overlap in their domestic politics coverage, offering little insight into policy. Both emphasized stories that function more to entertain readers than to educate them. Um, and it's just, especially for us as, as doing what we do, I think it's such an important piece to, to, to read and dissect and to just understand that our responsibility, while we need to get paid and while we need advertising dollars, our, our responsibility is not to entertain. Yes, it's to make content engaging, but you can have engaging com- content that isn't just meant to entertain. Our job is to educate and inform people on the the issues that that matter and what's 
what's you know yeah. being discussed during election. And one of the 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 things that I constantly see now on social media is, you know, folks telling the the political media to not just report on who's going to win, who's up, who's down, but what are the stakes of this election. Um, and it's not it's not that it's not hard to go looking for him, just given what we've heard from former President Trump and, and some of the comments that he's made and some of the pieces that have come out about what a second term for Donald Trump would potentially look like and who he sort of has pinned into different positions. Um, so I just think it's important. It's a, it's a great read. The Columbia Journalism Review obviously know what they, they know what they're doing, um, but it's I think it's a good reminder of what our sort of role is as we move forward into election season. What about you, Sue? What are you reading? Well, I'm not um, reading anything except the 22-step um, apple pie recipe <laughs> that my daughter is going to make me um, make tonight. So that's a lot of heavy reading for me. So mm -hmm. that's 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 on there. But I've actually um, started the last season of The Crown oh, okay. um, on um, on Netflix, and uh, I don't know the actor's name who's playing uh, Diana, but she is eerily yeah. on on point for her and um, watching. Uh, this fictionalized version of uh, what happened so close to facts. I've done a lot of looking at the fact-checking of it. It really was a, uh, a remarkable period of time. And, you know, the echoes of, I mean, the British monarchy, I mean, what the heck? It's just like such a crazy idea that it continues on. And she talks about what? I know, <laughs> just the celebrity aspect of it. And, uh, you know, this on the heels of uh, uh, King Charles uh, having to read uh, the, 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 the Prime Minister's mm -hmm. uh, mission in front of Parliament, mm -hmm. which included a whole bunch of stuff he didn't want to do, but he had to sit there in his robes. It's just an amazing thing. So I'm really enjoying that and watching that. Mm -hmm. Matt, what about you? Well, right now I'm watching for the first time the Denver Broncos, my football team, actually win <laughs> football games. Um, so I think they're on a four-game winning streak. Russell yeah. Wilson actually looks like Russell Wilson for the first time. So anyway, that's been a lot of fun to watch and there's actually a reason to watch NFL football. Uh, and then reading wise, I'm continuing to fight my way through Common Ground, which yeah. honestly is a pretty difficult read to get through because I, I feel like the writing can kind of jump around a little yeah. bit, um, but it's really substantive. I'm sure a lot of people out there have read it if they're here from Boston. I am obviously not from Boston. And so it's, it's been an interesting read to go through. Yeah, it's interesting times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure. All right. Well, that'll do it. Uh, thank you, Sue. Thank you, Matt. We always appreciate it as always. And thank you for, for joining us on Taking Issue. Don't forget, you can uh, see all of us on this weekend's episode of At Issue at 1130 on NBC10 Boston right after Meet the Press. So we got Peter Durant, um, who just flipped a heavily Democratic state Senate seat. Uh, and Chris Carlazzi of the uh, Retail Association. So. A rare and suddenly powerful Republican. Yes, yes, in, in Massachusetts. Uh, so again, that's this Sunday, 1130, right here on ABC 10 Boston. We really do appreciate you guys taking the time, being with us today, watching, listening, whatever you, uh, however you digest uh, the Taking Issue podcast. We appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week.